Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. I know we are flying off the absolute wall here with the amount of content. It is a wall of content. This is the fourth episode in four straight days. This is with Nick Gregory from Mercury Wallet. We get into state chains. What the hell are they? Uh, and why do we call it that, really? Uh, it, it's a great, great rip with Nick because we got to talk a little bit about his past as well, working behind enemy lines, working for the likes of the big banks and what was going on in his fiat career before he found Bitcoin and why he joined the dark side. I always love those stories. Anyway, enjoy this rip with Nick and get to learn about Mercury Wallet. Uh, before we do get into the show, please, like I tell you on every show, stack sats, stack sats every freaking day, if you can. And you should be able to because who can't afford five bucks, five pounds a day? Especially if you're in a fiat job, cut out that latte. Just stack sats. You can use many different services. The ones that are aligned with this show are Swan Bitcoin out of the US. They can help you with your DCA dollar cost average. They can help you smash by. They can help you if you need that private service because perhaps you've got a big chunk to put on. $100,000 or more over the next year. They will walk you through everything. They have advisors for this kind of thing. Check out swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. In Europe, Relay offer the same service. All of those above services for all of you plebs this side of the pond. R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten. Use code R-E-L 727 and that will save you on commissions when you're smash buying or once you've set up your fiat cost average plan. You can set up with them out of the UK as well. Coin Corner are based out of the Isle of the Man in the UK and they can accept sterling and that euros. They can set you up with an auto buy. They can help you smash buy. They can even help you orange pill your local merchants. People can set up merchants accounts with them, accept Bitcoin at point of sale and receive euros or sterling if they not ready yet to hold the Bitcoin on their balance sheet. They don't have to, but they can offer their customers another service right now. If you want KYC free sats, there is a perfect solution out there. It's called hodl, hodl.com forward slash bitten. You will save on trade commissions. Go on there, find your people, buy and sell whenever you need to. Go on there every day and try and set up your own little dollar cost average. This is a global platform. Anybody from around the world can sign up and start buying some Bitcoin on this platform. And these are the guys that also organize the, uh, the Honey Badger, the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in Riga, in Latvia, and that will be at the start of September. There's no discounts for those tickets. You just got to get them when you can because they will sell out. It's an excellent conference. Once you have your stack, you might already have a stack that you're looking to up your privacy game. Try wasabiwallet.io. Download the desktop wallet and run some coins through that service. 
I've run out of music here, but please make sure you are stacking safely. You can use the BitBox02 Bitcoin hardware wallet. Buy shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Use code bitten and get 5% discount. Here's my rip with Nick. All right, we're recording. Nick, good to see you, man. Morning. Thanks for having us. No problem. Uh, Lauren's here, as you would uh, expect to ask you the first question. So I'm going to ask my usual question. Um, what is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Uh, the fact I can use it without asking anyone's permission. That was a quick answer. Um, Maybe he's been listening and practicing, Lauren. Maybe he's been ready for you. Okay, I need to get different questions now. Because <laughs> they might be listening and they might be preparing. Do you recognize Nick? We met him the first time in Beeritz at the barbecue with all the other Maxis. Well, I did. I We spent a lot of time in the garden talking. Yeah. You would have been playing games. No, just this last time. Just in August. No, I was too busy hanging out with Yeah, people. yeah. She was too busy hanging out with cool people yeah. instead of Nick. Yeah. It's cool, you're just not cool. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, did you have any other questions then? Uh... What do you think Nick does in Bitcoin? Any ideas? He either works for like a big, like like a big company like Swan, for example, or mm -hmm. he just stacks or mines. Why don't you ask him? He's just there. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, do you work in like any companies, or like do you work anything in Bitcoin? Yeah, I work for a very small company. There's only six of us, but uh, we we build like a Bitcoin wallet called Mercury and Bitcoin infrastructure as well. We have fun. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Yep. Do you want to say goodbye? Yep. Anyways, bye. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Right, mate. Before we get into all the uh, the fun stuff, uh, technical stuff, um, yeah. which is something that, uh, you know, you were blowing, blowing my mind away uh, when we first met in Biarritz. And then we were on that panel together as well, which I was hosting. Um yeah, you guys are so far ahead of me on the technical side of things. It's always fun to mm -hmm. uh, kind of un unpack. And I've been thinking about, um, I, I might actually start writing. I, I'm getting that urge uh, and about touch points that we mm -hmm. have throughout our lives before we even start peering into the rabbit hole. Uh, and you and I uh, both worked in the financial services industry. Um, huge touch points for us both without even realizing it probably at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let's take us back to what was going on in your past life that you can now kind of connect to what led you to the rabbit hole. What were you doing in finance? Yeah, so I guess I worked for, I mean, I'm, I've always been a programmer technologist, so I was doing tech, but um, I guess the, the big defining moment of Bitcoin will always be 2008, you know, because that's the famous entry in, was it the, the bailout of the banks by Gordon Brown? But in 2008, I, I was working for a, a well-known company called Merrill Lynch, which, right. as you know, was big. I think on a Friday, you know, everything was going to pot. I went to work on a Monday and we were suddenly Bank of America. And we had all these losses and no one really understood what it meant. And we didn't really understand where the money came from to pay it out. But I was working on the equity derivatives desk, building uh, compute grids to price derivatives, you know, to calculate the risk of, of a certain derivatives. So... 
we weren't really I wasn't really involved in what was going on because I think all the problems were on the mortgage desks the fixed income desks but still your bank basically you know kind of goes under one day you think you're worth billions and next minute you're not sure if you've got a job it was a very strange time and I think it was very clear none of us understood what was going on didn't we understand money didn't understand anything I mean I was doing equity derivatives we were pricing instruments I could have been pricing bananas for all I knew that was very much you know it, it was very much a black box so but yeah that's when I started asking questions where money became a bit weird if that makes sense no it does I worked in foreign exchange for almost 18 years never questioned what money was and like you 2008 during that crash uh you know I was I remember vividly I was sat at my desk and the news started you know percolating around the markets that Lehman Brothers were bankrupt and you're like what Mm. how how did that happen and then the the markets just went completely silent waiting for for more news more information and nobody knew what was going on and then the ripple effects of that obviously that weekend um there, there was more news that kept coming out bear stearns and merrill lynch and aig like whoa this is this is nuts this is mm. completely nuts uh, and people losing their jobs left, right, and center, and truly not understanding why. And you'd think that people like you and I that were in those seats, in those positions, should have known, Like, but we didn't. We had no clue that the money was broken, that it was so manipulated, that bailouts could even just come out of completely nowhere. Uh, it was mad, completely mad. Um, you must have been that that whole weekend. You must have been just thinking to yourself, "What's going to happen when I walk through the door on Monday morning?" Well, to be honest, I thought it was the other banks. I didn't think Merrill Lynch was in. I mean, Merrill Lynch had draw. If I remember, Merrill Lynch had drawdowns, and I think Bank of America were looking at acquiring Layman's or something, or in that conversation. I was in real shock. We were all in real shock when we showed up mon- Monday, and we were the ones being acquired. But my understanding, you know, because obviously we had town halls afterwards, is that our position was pretty bad and Lehman's was beyond repair. So, but then our CEO realized our position was pretty bad and didn't want to get to a Lehman's, Lehman moment. And that's, we had that famous CEO. I don't know if you remember John Fain, the guy who spent tarp money for like a few $3,000 on a trash can and stuff like that. The one with the luxury office. I don't know if you remember all that stuff, but. Uh, I don't remember him specifically, but that yeah. tarp money again, that tarp yeah. money that, that I can't even remember what the Akron strat that something. It was money that came out of nowhere to bail out the banks. And we, Re- we still <laughs> relief program, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what TA even stood for because again, it was an acronym made out of complete thin air over the weekend that nobody knew exactly what it stood for, but that money that, you know, obviously uh, the big guns went and lobbied, uh, you know, um, the, the correct politicians and got the sign off to go and mm-hmm. kind of remember the numbers that the numbers were just, in fact, the numbers were so big back then, but so in- inconsequential now. <laughs> Which yeah. is a joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember and... it was about fifty billion, which is probably not much money in crypto these days. But um <laughs> No, exactly. That that that's probably found down the back of Sam Bankman Fried's couch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, and now look at the scope of, of how far we've come. This is what happens when you just kick the can down the road and mm-hmm. what has now been created. 
uh, and, and the fact that people still, you know, talk about these numbers, they just throw these numbers around as if they mean nothing. They just mm-hmm. truly don't understand what, what's actually going on underneath the hood. Uh, so, ob- right. Okay. So y- you're going through that. Um, obviously the white paper hasn't been dropped yet, but that is a huge touch point for you. How much longer were you in that role? Uh, and here, here's another interesting thing as well for those people that haven't seen behind the scenes of what happens in, in these kind of uh, institutions. So you're the guy making all of the economic uh, prediction software that the, the mm-hmm. front office dudes are using and plug in all of their metrics in to you know make calls on the market or uh, kind of sway opinion when they're on the phone to their clients or customers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's still a huge divide between your job and like the front office's job, right? Could could mm-hmm. you explain to to some people listening like the tensions felt between like some of some people on your team and some people on the on the um the, in the front office on the trading desks? Yeah, I mean the guys on the trading desk. Uh, I mean you you have three types of tr- trader. I mean. I guess there's three groups that I was around with. I mean, I was very much a software engineer building software to do pricing. I wasn't doing any of the mathematical modeling. Those guys we call quants. And then you have the traders themselves who, you know, they're the guys you associate with making big money. You're also the guys that don't last very long. And, you know, and, you know, I spent a lot of my days during then looking at zero hedge and obviously we were all being selfish. We were wondering who's going to get chopped because banks were announcing, you know, Goldman Sachs straight away around 12% hedge count reduction. And there was a lot of panic. Should I go or should I stay? And at the same time, a lot of, believe it or not, hedge funds were hiring then because they hedge funds started popping up that were trying to buy distressed assets. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, kind of commotion and then when we got bought out by bank of america um a lot of the guys i worked with did leave because they didn't want to be associated with a big american retail bank <laughs> yeah they, they they liked being like an investment bank that was seen as like a real uh demotion in status and because of that i ended up spending a lot of time in new york and i actually ended up moving to new york in 2009 anyway to work for bank of america because bank of america couldn't hire people because no one wanted to work for a retail bank in new york so it kind of it changed my life in the way that I ended up in New York anyway. But but yeah, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of confusion as well. And you know, everyone was an expert. And none of us was. I mean, I was getting my information from Zero Hedge. To be honest, two thousand eight got made me a Zero Hedge reader. So a Zero Hedge reader. So but that that's kind of that's yeah. mad. The the ego tied up in just the like here's the here's the company that's just saved another company but they're not good enough to to carry on working for that is that 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 absolutely epitomizes the kind of personality that you end up working around when you're in that in that world mm-hmm. it's crazy to me i spent so long there yeah it was eye-opening i mean for, for software engineers i mean I, my background was like grid computing and you know when banks started becoming high frequency trading shops look at uh, compute grids to price derivatives they, they were hiring a lot of people like me but it it was a different world you know i remember the first day on the merrill lynch trade floor there were two x miss world con- yeah, contenders there <laughs> so, and i had come from a very geek <laughs> environment you know being in the basement not talking to people not, not talking to people who had social skills to, to to end up in that kind of like city environment was was quite you know 
shocking. And you know, my boss and my uh, recommended that I read Liar's Poker just to get an understanding. And then you know, Flash you know, City Boys came out as well, and it was like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember though. That's Michael Lewis, isn't it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. No, it was Flash Boys or Flash Traders. Uh, there was, no, there was a one. There was one done about Lies Poker was about New York, but then there yeah. was another one written by the, the the city scene, which was more British, was more about you know guys partying in Ibiza and all that, and making trading decisions there and stuff like that. Okay, um, yeah, and then I remember, remember, yeah. You probably remember the book. It was about that guy who was an insider, and he was publishing his 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 uh, stories on the on on the Evening Standard every day, and everyone was reading it, and that became a book. I do remember that, and I remember the, reading the High Frequency Trading book as well by Michael Lewis, which was like, oh my god, the 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 the, the levels of deceit and the the lengths that people will go to 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 try and get that edge in in that business mm -hmm. is so. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's, well, it's so bad, as we know now as Bitcoiners. Um, but yeah, the, the Miss World, <laughs> yeah. And, and for those people wondering how they ended up in, in positions like that, it, it's just literally so you can take them along out with your company um, mm -hmm. credit card and your clients. And so yeah, I, hadn't to... been, I hadn't been used to that kind of wealth or that kind of extravagance. And, you know, I'd worked in Silicon Valley during a dot-com boom, but nothing like the city of London wall street it's it's another level whereas if you're a trader or a broker and you invite your one of your main clients out one of your triple a clients and you say oh yeah by the way we've got jessica working for us now she's ex miss miss world she's going to be coming along <laughs> it's disgusting it's it's so obvious but people that's why people like you know they love watching the wolf of wall street um you know great film very spot on mm -hmm. But people like Jordan Belfort, even today, get elevated to this kind of superstar status. He's just a criminal. Mm -hmm. It's really sick. But anyway, mm -hmm. all right, okay. So you've how how when did you leave that game then? Oh, I stayed in banking till 2015. Um I transferred to, to Merrill Lynch, which became Bank of America was in New York. Um, I think I moved to JP Morgan around 2013, 14. Mm -hmm. At that point I was, I'd had enough. So around, I started looking to leave and, you know, the startup scene was starting to pick up, you know, around 2014, 15, you, you could start to make a banking salary working for a startup. So, you know, that, that had changed. And I, and I think, you know, banking had become very boring that the regulation had kind of like meant that there was a, uh, you know a project manager and 10 spreadsheets for any for writing a line of code it was it wasn't the fun place i mean anymore and a lot of the smart guys the good guys have gone to hedge funds have gone to tech startups anyway and it was time for me to to move on but um yeah i, I mean i was kind of stuck there because i you know they, i'd moved over with a visa i had to wait till they gave me a green card mm -hmm. but as soon as that happened I, I, it's time to go <laughs> so jp morgan the belly of the beast under jamie diamond yeah, I mean that was such a big bureaucrat. I was like working for the government. Just, that was it. Wasn't Merrill Lynch. I mean Merrill Lynch for all its sins was a fun place. You would write code on a Monday. It would it'd be in production by Thursday. Yeah, it's, and you know, as as a software engineer, that's what you want. You you want your stuff to be used. You want your stuff to be live. That's where you get a kick. Yeah, but that quickly changed with all the all the regulation, all the bureaucracy that showed up. 
Would you ever get to see it in action on the on the uh, on the front desk or, or the code that you wrote, or was it kind of like yeah, write the yeah. code, ship it? Yeah, that must have been yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Yes, it's fun. I mean, I never wanted to work for a bank, but I mean, investment banking is fun because I'd worked on a lot of research projects that never saw the light of day, and you know, writing software that yeah is used like a few days later is yeah you get a kick out of it, you get a buzz. I'm not going to deny that. And, you know, it's stressful, especially when you know you can make a mistake. I mean, derivative stuff, we were, we're kind of like doing market make. Um, it's more risks. So you, you, you're not doing the high frequency stuff where you could lose money. In a, in, <laughs> if you, you don't know if you've lost money for quite a while because it's more doing options and stuff. But it's still still fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. OK, so <laughs> what then? really led you down the bitcoin rabbit hole what made you start looking into finding out more looking at articles or listening to podcasts or finding youtube videos what made you start doing that and what were the first kind of things that you found yeah well, i think after 2008 as i said i became a zero hedge reader i think that was a source of information for a lot of what was going on and i did see bitcoin a few times but i it, it took me i probably should have got into it earlier i didn't um I saw it a few times being mentioned on a website called Slashdot. And I remember the first time I think I saw it, it, it was written in Windows. And I thought nothing decent is ever built on Windows. <laughs> and then, so I, yeah, I poo-pooed it. I basically ignored it. And then one day I was in a gym and a guy told me about how you can mine Bitcoin. And the idea of like downloading software and being able to like mine it was just too unreal. And then let's just say I knew people on the Silk Road and having permissionless money had advantages, you know, especially in the US where a lot of people get, you know, med medicine, they can't afford to get prescription drugs, they get, you know, non-prescription stuff. And I think that that point then I started to look into it and, you know, the, the, it took me a while to get into it. I'll be honest, when I first downloaded the client, played with it, I baffled with the 10 minute block time. I said, well, okay, this is cool, but who's gonna wait 10 minutes for a coffee shop? And it took me, a while, you know, maybe, you know, now you're expected to be a blockchain expert in five seconds, you know, a VC will phone me up and say, look at this new blah, 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 blockchain. Is it any good? And I've got 10 seconds. Back then, if you were to understand Bitcoin, you, you know, it took quite a while. You were, I actually tried to learn it and it took me, it was so different than what I'd ever seen because um, most pre, I'd seen digital currencies before. There'd always been a few ideas but they were they were more like scratch card type approaches you know cryptographic tokens you send around the fact that bitcoin was this network that you you joined and uh, you know when you ran a node you were part of the network it was it was fascinating from a, a distributed computing point of view but yeah it took me six months to really understand it and when i did you know i started buying it i started going to meetups in new york i i went down the rabbit hole you know i played with altcoins as well i mean i don't remember a time in bitcoin when there wasn't altcoins so i was I was playing with some of the original proof of stake stuff like Peercoin. I don't know if you remember that. Or yeah, just 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 yeah. And then yeah, as, as I got more into it, I just wanted to be in Bitcoin. And I think when you work in the world of finance, at some point you realize, yeah, do I want to continue working for Blockbuster Video or Netflix? And that's what that's what it started to feel like. So I think I've got a delivery. Yeah. Do you mind if I just <laughs> no problem? back yeah sorry 
Yeah. yeah. What, what was that? An S19 turning up? <laughs> you need to. I have, I've been looking at them because you know they're going so cheap at the moment. But you yeah. need a special power transformer for them. So like they're, they're like ninety. Then you can see them on 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 these mining mailing lists. They're like discounted by nineteen percent. Not ninety percent right now. That yeah, I know they're they're very very cheap. Um, did you mine in the early days? You don't have to answer that. It's I just wanted a, to. I when I no, you can ask when when right. I have mined other coins. I've mined Monero. I'm quite open about that. Um, when I looked into it, it, it was already GPU mining, and so I, I'd missed the kind of. I have met people in meetups in New York who mine from CPUs, which is insane when you think about it. Yeah. Especially they were getting fifty bitcoins per block. But no, I missed. I, I think I got in seriously around 2013, 12. So they were already GPU mining at that point, and ASICs were starting to be talked about. So. Right. Okay. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, crazily cheap and uh, very, very tempting to start picking up a few uh, machines and, and and plugging them in and having a play around with them. I was lucky enough to get my hands on uh, a couple of S9s, and I've been having some fun. You know, getting those uh, all chips up properly uh, up to brains were brilliant uh, they did some many hours of zoom calls trying to get me up to speed to to figure out how to get it flashed and, and properly and mm -hmm. working properly but yeah it worked great i managed to uh to plug it in and have a play around with it see how it works it's really uh, a journey and a big shout out to max on the bit by bit pod who did his pleb mining month series <laughs> it's really worth listening to for all of those people that are thinking about picking up a cheap s9 he went through so many different interviews with so, just plebs talking about how they do mm -hmm. it at home and the kind of things that they're using the heat for. Uh, so it's really worth having a look at. Um, so if do you, do you need the power transformer as well for S9s or is it just the S19s? I think it's, I, I, I know you need it for the S19s. I don't, I don't know enough. For the, I think you don't for the S9s from what I remember. Hmm. But I mean, bear in mind, I live in London, so the price of electricity is pretty bad right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's finding that free source somehow, somewhere, uh, which is obviously very, very difficult. So mm -hmm. the resources that you found then, uh, other than, you know, going along to the meetups, which is obviously the best thing you could ever do. Uh, I was sadly not exposed to in-person Bitcoiners for God, way too long. Very few head-to-head -head meetings that uh, that I was able to have. There's no meetups around where I live. We're in the middle of the countryside, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, mm -hmm. But getting along to the conferences after COVID, let everybody um, out again, uh, getting along to the conferences made such a huge difference to, to meeting people face-to-face. -face. But otherwise, you know, I was just trying to consume as much as I could in the in articles podcasts, YouTubes, uh, you know, Andreas was, uh, was a huge influence back in like uh, the mid teens, uh, going down the rabbit hole, following his talks. So, uh, yeah, big shout out. Um, but right. Why then did you end up finding yourself starting a company, Mercury wallet and, you know, giving back to the community is what we, you know, like to like to say yeah i mean mercury wallet is kind of like maybe the third iteration of what i've tried to do um so originally i you know i mean my source of information back then was reddit also 
uh, you know, I was, I was living in New York where there was no notorious bit license and yes. uh, it made it very hard for anyone to do anything in the startup world in Manhattan. But can we, can a, we actually, uh, for, for those people that are listening that might not know the story of that, that's a very important part of Bitcoin's history, especially for mm-hmm. uh, the U S uh, do you just want to tell people what the bit license was, what was going on and how it was affecting you guys over in New York at that time? Yeah, I, I, there was a guy called I said Olof. I can't remember his name. Ben Lofsky. Ben Lofsky, who, you know, obviously, uh, I think it was at the Winklevoss were promoting Bitcoin quite well in New York. Obviously, they were based there, and you know, this regulator tried to, um, you know, he came under, you know, he spoke to a lot of Bitcoiners, not me, but a lot of people in the area to promote this kind of like favorable regulation regulation for New York. And it ended up being some 60 page document where realistically you're going to spend 100 to 200 to maybe 300 grand in legal fees just to register. And that pushed a lot of the startups out of New York. And this guy, Losky, ended up as soon as you know the regulation came out, he set up his own consultancy and ended up charging money. And, you know, ultimately only it was regulatory capture. Only big people could 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 participate and it was useless i mean i remember reading the spec it was just bullshit it's just giving money to lawyers and i think you know some companies moved to panama left but it also created this kind of big otc scene in, in new york where people were going to meetups and the only way to buy bitcoin was essentially with cash and you know peer-to-peer but um, and it shows the dangers of regulation it shows you know i mean with all the bankruptcies going on in the world we all know who's going to make money it's the law legal system yeah people aren't going to get their money money back the companies are going to lose it's the lawyers always win and you know i'm quite anti-regulation for for that i'm I'm, yeah i'm pro you know doing things the right way but regulation only benefits the regulators and the law firms involved no one else and you know unfortunately what we're seeing right now is another push to regulation that's not going to help you're just going to see these law firms charge more compliance departments get bigger and innovation will will shrink Um, and new york is a perfect use case of, of how that happened but on the other side of things, there was a vibrant peer-to-peer system in New York. You know, I think some of the early Bitcoiners, you know, they they created these meetups about buying Bitcoin. You'd go there, you'd say, "Here's some Bitcoin." You know, people would exchange cash, and that created a kind of like a, an interesting peer-to-peer model. And you know, I was working with these um, OTC guys, and I think that the first iteration of Commerce Block, we were trying to inject kind of that metadata for OTC transactions in in in. Uh, in bitcoin transactions and to kind of streamline a lot of that process and that ended up we wrote a spec for it and you know ended up doing writing some kind of very basic software but that's how it got kind of got me into the startup scene in new york then when i moved back to the uk we we, we started looking at building bitcoin infrastructure using sidechains so you're probably familiar with sidechains you know the work that blockstream did so we forked liquid the uh, element sorry the code base behind liquid and basically started trying to sell side chains to like enterprise clients in in the UK around Europe, and we had a few clients, but it was it was very hard to compete with the uh, the other blockchains out there. You know, when we were selling EOS, remember them? That they, they were quite a big name. <laughs> they were, yeah, they had a a more sizable marketing department than us, more sizable sales department than us, and Tezos, you probably remember as well. So it was very hard. Bitcoin felt like a bit of a a. a a bit of a COBOL program, you know, it felt like something very dated and we weren't able to get really any momentum. 
so at that point we you know we started to pin it for uh, we wanted to look what was interesting and happening although lightning is growing now lightning was you know was still quite early so we thought why not stage chains uh, an interesting paper had been written it combined some of the, the tech that we had done anyway with with uh, side chains kind of fitted in in a niche so we decided to kind of you know this was in a bear market 2019 we decided to try and build the first implementation and from that mercury wallet came out which is basically the first working implementation of a, of a state chain Okay, so so I've got this right. Commerce Block are kind of the parent company, and Mercury Wallet is the the, the first uh, product that you've released. Yeah. Un- right, okay. So Commerce yeah. Block first, right? Okay, excellent. State chains. God, yeah. I hate that name. Why? <laughs> Who came up with that? What's the <laughs> the uh, word state? You can Ruben Samson for that. I mean, at a high level, it's. I think. Do you know Open Dimes? Yeah. It's virtual Open Dimes. So you essentially create this thing called a state coin, which is essentially a, a, a crystallized version of a UXTO, but you can move them around off chain. So the cool way to think of it, you know, we say in Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coin. Mm-hmm. Well, state chains kind of breaks that because now I can put money onto this uh, state coin and essentially I'm giving you my private key and now you own it. Now there's some funky cryptography to make sure I can't spend it with my old key. You have to collaborate with a backend server but essentially that's what it does so there are limitations in that you can't break them up so if you've got 0.14 bitcoin on this state coin you can't break a piece off but it is off chain and it transfers instantly so it really is like a virtual open dime and okay think of it all right virtual open dime i'll come back to that um and state coin Oh, <laughs> so Sam Samson's got the he he's going to carry this moniker, is he? Uh, of naming them state chains and state coins. Oh, we came up with state coins, so you can blame us for that. <laughs> you can see we uh we've invested a lot in marketing and PR for that, but <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, state chains. It's like when uh when Obi was first uh explaining Fediment to me, I'm like, mate, why Feddy? Like why? Why is the word Fed in there? Like this is what are we doing? And now we're talking about state chains and state coins as well. Uh, maybe these are the best Trojan horses out there. Um, and then, uh, so to do a quick comparison, um, Feddy Mint use uh, what they call a, a Chalmian Mint, and like mm-hmm. um, what? Uh, like, so, so you'd switch Bitcoin into uh, eCash or eCoin. What you guys are using mm-hmm. are state chains, um, and your yeah. Bitcoin gets switched into uh, the state coin, which then the the, uh, the other person that's receiving uh, that virtual open dime uh, is able to uh, withdraw and switch back into Bitcoin, all off chain, completely private. That's the way, the best way to to look at Mercury Wallet. Yeah, well, we just we just facilitate the sending of private keys around, so. Okay. Okay. So yeah. And then to use the open dime example, again, if I hand you an open dime, like, let's say we're in Biarritz next year, we're hanging out at that barbecue. I want to, you know, pay you 150 euros worth of Bitcoin just to say, thanks for your work. Here's, here's a little gift. (laughs) That open dime that I give you, uh, is essentially still my Bitcoin until you break the, the little um, thing in there and pull the Bitcoin off or use the Bitcoin yourself. Yeah. 
yeah so if you were sending in over time that's what open dime that's what happens if you were using mercury i would give you a state um, coin address you would send it to me once you've sent that to me which you know because this is off chain it takes you know under a second that's that's now mine but the bitcoin has stayed on chain if you were to look at the the you know the bitcoin blockchain you wouldn't see any movement so this coin can be moved around off chain multiple times and, and and that's that's the kind of like the key thing here so just like if you were to give me an open dime nothing changes on the bitcoin blockchain it's still the same private key that's locked up there that's pretty cool let's do some use cases for the listeners <laughs> yeah. who might be and why might one want to to do this with um some of their some of their bitcoin um well there, there's two use cases i mean one we've built for we've built a wallet for retail people there's, there's obviously you know people want to be able to send things instantly they want that level of privacy and also we we've also we've got a proposal coming out actually next week where we can send around lightning channels because essentially we're just sending private keys so those private keys could be private keys to anything at the moment they're private keys to bitcoin but you know in the future, we, we expect these to be private keys to lightning channels. And, you know, we're going to build some stuff where you could use this to kind of rebalance your lightning channels off chain. So you don't have a, an on chain transaction, but the retail app is, is, is Mercury wallet. You know, people, we do have users. We, 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 we've been live almost a year. We've probably had about 20 Bitcoin chucked at, chucked at it. People come on, they play with it. They send it to their friends, like a little gift, very much like the way people use open dimes. And then, you know, we want, we want to release a new product next year where we can help facilitate the, the, the balancing of lightning channels. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, lightning's, let's be honest, lightning's probably been the, uh, the hero of the bear market that's seen the most growth this year. A lot of people run these lightning nodes, their channels get out of sync. They basically have to shut them down, resync them. We think with state change, you can do that all off chain. So it'd be slightly faster and, and slightly cheaper to do, but. That that's yeah. That, that those are the use cases we're pushing, and no footprint on the blockchain either. No, no. I mean, there's always a you know wherever you've got a plus, there's a minus. There, mm -hmm. yeah, you do. It's not trustless. Like for example, if we were to vanish, this doesn't work anymore. So, however, you always have custody of your funds, so you always have this kind of like a back out transaction. So if you were to wake wake up one morning, you fire up Mercury Wallet, but it can't connect to the back end server, which is essentially us. You you do have a backup transaction to pull your funds out. And I saw recently as well, <clears throat> one of your most recent tweets uh, about the Tor network and how we need to start looking at uh, different ways to, you know, it was a DDoS attack that, that keeps occurring on the mm -hmm. Tor network. Um, actually, let's keep it very, very, very simple. Can you, can, we, can you explain what you mean by a DDoS attack on the Tor network? What's happening? why that slows everything down and then why we need other solutions yeah so ddos essentially if you have a website and too many people start hitting it it's going to go down it's going to be unresponsive now websites have lots of solutions for that like they check ip addresses and stuff like that if they see lots of traffic from one ip address they may block it or they may rate limit it um tour this year it's a bit you know it's a lot more complicated than the website because it's a distributed network and there's been a lot of traffic now 
some people think it's DDoS from the CIA or, uh, you know, free letter agencies. It could be, and I'm open to this, it could just be that we've got a lot more users. You know, you have all these people on PlebNet running Lightning nodes on, on the tour. It could be that. I, I don't know. But it has made it very unresponsive. And there are times where our wallet hasn't been usable because they can't connect. Because we, you know, we we support Tor. We you know, we don't want to collect people's IP addresses and stuff like that. Uh, same with other you know kind of wallets out there. There's many Bitcoin wallets run over Tor, and rather some people want to fix Tor. You know, I'm not sure the architecture is really designed for distributed um, systems. So we've looked at you know implementing something called I2P which is not as mature as Tor, not as well used, but it's kind of more designed for distributed systems. But we don't want to essentially be, you know, we're not going to say Tor is not as good as I2P or I2P is better. I think, you know, Bitcoin projects are just going to have to support all these kind of privacy networks out there and be agnostic. And, you know, there's others, you know, when I did that tweet, a lot of people said, have you used, looked at NIM, have you used at this? And I think we're just going to support all the ones so that if Tor is under DDoS, if Tor is struggling, we can switch to I2P. If I2P then is you know getting rammed, we can go back to Tor. But and I think that that's kind of an issue that we've had this year. And you know, other you know, I was a Bitcoin. I think I was a. We were together at Bitcoin Amsterdam. This is something I spoke a lot to the Wasabi guys. Yeah, they've they've had the same issues as Tor as us. They they've taken a different approach, but we, you know, we, we sh we've been sharing information anyway because it's we both. This is going to affect everyone, <clears throat> not just wallet providers like us and Wasabi, but you know, people running their Lightning nodes at home as well. Mm -hmm. So, so that's yeah. why I just wanted to publish out, look at other things, you know, be be agnostic to the underlying protocol, to the underlying networks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, um, I'm very confident that new solutions will come up, and they are being worked on. Right, there's Impervious as well, I believe. Um, Nim, mm -hmm. you mentioned Nim were actually yeah. um, they were in Beeritz, were they not? I believe so. Yeah, Nim looks good. We we went with I2P simply because we, we yeah, we knew more about it. Um yeah, it's not I'm not favoring one over the other. But um and it's it hasn't been easy to use it because the support isn't as good as Tor, let's I'll be honest. And uh but um but I think long term I think wallets are gonna have to support two or three of these networks and be kind of agnostic. But yeah, Nim does look interesting. I, I want to spend some time on that. It's just for us to implement it, it still takes a couple of months of you know engineering, testing it. And we have to support you know multiple platforms, you know, Mac, Linux, Windows, and they've mm -hmm. all got their little gotchas. So it makes sense, wouldn't it, to to be able to, to be agnostic and to use whichever one is working best at that mm -hmm. point that you're trying to make a transaction. Yeah, I spoke to like you know more kind of like low level guys, people who do kind of I'd say Unix DevOpsy hacker stuff. <laughs> They that most of their tools support multiple networks now. They 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 write tooling on top of these kind of privacy networks so they're not stuck to one. So that's yeah, what we're trying to do. So come back to another use case, uh, because you just mm -hmm. mentioned wasabi. Uh, and my, my my next question was going to be how does Mercury Wallet help that Bitcoiner that you're sitting out there on a stack of Bitcoin that's been KYC'd? because they've mm -hmm. bought everything from an exchange uh you know that there, there wasn't too many other options back in the day if you've been stacking for a handful of years and you might want to break that kyc obviously the tools are out there wasabi being one of them max has been on the show uh there's a lot mm -hmm. of coin join wars going on at the <clears> moment <throat> where do you guys kind of fit into that 
battle uh, at the moment are you, are you on either side of of any of those fences or are you just quietly trying to build your your own solution or you've got something that you can offer to people what what's your take on the whole thing um well our privacy model is very different than the coin join as you know with a coin join you essentially take a coin you kind of like munge it with a load of other coins and on the bitcoin blockchain you see this kind of massive coin join transaction so the problem with kyc regulated exchanges they just say you're a coin join you're bad even though you know you may not have done anything bad we we implemented our first use case for stage mercury was to implement coin swaps coin swaps essentially allows a group of people to swap their coins uh, the advantage is that you don't have any taint so that's great uh, but the disadvantage is you could end up with a dirty coin now with our the way we've done it is if you end up with a dirty coin, we do write all the coin joins, uh, coin swaps into the Bitcoin network, so you could prove you participated in the coin swap. But you know we're very careful about marketing privacy because you know it's it's a hard thing to do. I mean, even you know I, I've used Wasabi. I think those guys. I I can't comment on Samurai because I've literally never used it because I don't have an Android phone. And I've used the other product as well quite a lot, uh, Join Market, which obviously you know it's um, it's actually the most well used privacy tool. But yeah, if you it's a very hard thing to do, and yeah, there's a lot of ways you can mess up privacy. So I think, and and it depends what what you trying to be private for. Are you trying to avoid you know the FBI, or are you trying to avoid your girlfriend finding out where you spend your money? Those are two different very use cases, you know, and also. Lightning has certain privacy semantics as well. And there are people doing coin joins on Lightning and coin swaps on Lightning, and we're probably going to do the latter. Um, I think it's good that we have multiple options, if I'm, I'm honest. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't. Yeah, there's it's 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 very hard thing to say because I think that the issue coin joins are going to have is that they're, they're ultimately being blacklisted by most exchanges. But on a positive note, I don't know what exchanges are going to do about Lightning because Lightning is essentially, uh, even though the privacy is not as good as a coin join, people are going to be doing coin joins inside of Lightning. There's already a proposal to do that, which I think is actually funded by Wasabi. So I, you know, I'm hoping that most privacy ends up on the Lightning layer, and that makes it too hard for exchanges to block. <laughs> that's that's what I'd like to see. So when you say for exchanges to block, I'm, I'm I guess you mean if. If somebody wants to send Bitcoin into the exchange uh, mm -hmm. to to sell it out for fiat currency of their choice, yeah, yeah, right. that, okay. that's been a problem for people. I mean, yeah, okay. Don't sell your Bitcoin. That's 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 the answer right there. Um, or or you'd have to sell it in the peer to peer market. Um, I see. So, so I I'm thinking from the other way around. When we bring the the coins off the exchange, if you're using one of these uh, KYC exchanges, at that point, should you be considering running it through uh, like a coin join service, or could it come through Mercury Wallet? Uh, what what are the best practices for people going forward there in in your mind, in your opinion? Well, I would obviously I was I would obviously push Mercury Wallet, but I don't. I mean, most privacy I know guys would would advocate using both as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends what your goal is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think Bitcoin works as a public block. I don't think that's you know 
money with no privacy is quite useless. Um, you know, a lot of the people that use privacy stuff, they come to me, it's, it's for doing basic trade. You know, I think that when I went to Bitcoin Miami, there was a guy using Mercury Wallet. He was a bodybuilder buying bodybuilding equipment from uh, China. And he says, I use privacy tools because it makes it easier to negotiate with my counterparties in, in, in Asia. You know, I think, you know, we need a level of privacy, but I tend to think all coins should be mixed or should be swapped. I think you need to break that heuristic. Otherwise, it becomes quite messy and you can be caught in things that you have nothing to do. I mean, yeah, I think most Bitcoiners that have been around since 2012 may have coins that have been tainted with the Silk Road. There, there's potential legal issues there without using you know, a coin join or coin swap, in my view. Right. So somebody might have a UTXO sitting on um, their, their signing device when they come to move it might get flagged because at some point it had sat yeah. on on the silk road well you look at the sheer volume of coins that were put on the silk road around the early days mm. i think it'd be very hard for people not to be associated with that <laughs> <laughs> interesting it, it, this rabbit hole is pretty new to me um after lengthy conversations with um with Max, both in in Riga and in uh, in 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 Amsterdam, and listeners know that I've not been down the the privacy rabbit hole mm-hmm. at all, really. In the past, it's just not something that um, I've been taking too much note of, and I guess that's probably because of my financial markets background, being doxed up to the max, uh, being used to opening exchange in, uh, accounts, and just going through all of that doxing. It was just second nature to me when when i first came to the space and started doing this and again that there wasn't that many uh, services around back in those days so you were forced to use whatever mm-hmm. you could find anyway uh and now you yeah like examples like you're now talking about uh you have no mm-hmm. idea until you go to to move them so i have been falling down the rabbit hole and uh being helped by the wasabi team to understand it and really been enjoying that process uh and you know being associated as well with um the coin corner team they um you know i can withdraw from the exchange via lightning via the bolt card just bam straight Mm -hmm. into into a wallet into a separate wallet you know not even into the coin corner app i can just use my bolt card bam and it's in a uh, a different wallet and that's lightning and then i'm using that just for you know those merchants that are willing to accept Bitcoin or I use it to, to fund projects on Geyser, things like that. So mm-hmm. we are, we are moving in the right direction and probably quicker mm-hmm. than most people even realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lightning changes. I mean, I was kind of, I wouldn't say bearish on lightning, but I would say it took a while to pick up momentum but I think this year, you see the way Lightning's being moved, the, the, the growth. Just go on mempool.space, click on the Lightning nodes. Um, we run a Lightning node. We've been running one for a few months. We're hooking that into state chains. You you, you really think it, it changes the way you look at money. Because I think if you work in the financial services, you know, money is something that's settled at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month. It's a very static thing. Now you can finally see money flowing, which, you know, you know, it, it opens use cases which we probably haven't thought about, and I think that's 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 yeah, you know, that's that's going to change the way you think of Bitcoin as well. 
and I think that's all down to lightning it's 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 a very complex system and I you know I've been trying to understand it for two years and it's it, it messes with your head a bit because it's it's got strange game theory the way channels are kind of like open the way you need inbound liquidity and outbound liquidity and you know I think people who crack that who who get optimal ways of like you know providing liquidity to to optimal spaces it's it's going to be a game changer I think that's probably the most interesting right now if I'm honest what's keeping you awake at night Nick in the Bitcoin space for good reasons or bad reasons both yeah I mean look I I wasn't exposed to the FTX stuff, but I I do know institutional investors or big money that's kind of pulling out of the space because of that. I am concerned about the heavy-handed regulation coming in because uh, I've seen that happen multiple times. Whether that's from the banking crisis of two thousand eight to the Bit license, but there are positives as well. You know, I'm on a few Telegram groups. Like you're probably on the same ones, like Plebnet. They're growing every day. There's new people running Lightning nodes. Uh, I'm on the Lightning Ventures angel list group. There's new projects that are looking for funding. Um, I, I think also the um, the peer-to-peer market of Bitcoin is growing. If you go to btcmap.org, I think it is, you see a new pub in London that's supporting Lightning every few weeks. You know, I think you introduced me to the Bridges to Bitcoin guys. I mean, yeah. I'm always, yeah, I'm always sending them people who want a, a Lightning terminal. Um, one of our partners, one of the companies we work with quite a lot is, um, you know, I'm, I work a lot with uh, Ray from Pax4. Mm-hmm. He's got nonstop people wanting to do peer-to-peer stuff, and that's all in Lightning. So you have this kind of the old world with their lawyers who want to slow things down. You've got the entrepreneurs, the people building, the people who don't want to upload their password and private key just to buy something on Amazon. Because <laughs> essentially, when you're buying something with credit card, you're essentially uploading your private key to Amazon and hoping Amazon are nice. And you're uploading your passport and hope that Amazon don't get hacked and your passport ends up on all these uh, weird dark web sites. So there are people who don't want permission to do things. And there's that balance of where it's growing. And at the moment, I would say Lightning with Bitcoin is growing faster than what the regulators can do, what the old world can do. And I think that's what's cool. Yeah, you can just sit at night and and you know I can just sit at night, watch what's going on in Plebnet, see the new Lightning projects pop up, and realize I think we're in a you know in a good place. It may be frustrating if you live in the UK because you know we potentially could have a heavy regulated uh, approach here, but there is the rest of the world that's not going to have that. So, well, we had that blog post yesterday from the ECB. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. It was absolutely so retarded. I actually thought that was a real positive. I mean, it's like you know, me too. <laughs> if we're occupied, if we're if we're in their mind, we're pissing them off. Yeah, and just the the level of misunderstanding was staggering. It was yeah. absolutely staggering. I, it was a very bullish piece to read because, all oh, right, okay, they really don't get it, and um, it, it, we're we're still at basic 2013, 2015 fud levels with what they're writing about. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, come in and how, how can they regulate it? That this is, this is the thing that kind of goes over my mind. How can they regulate it? What are they going to do? Ban it? Well, we know as soon as you ban anything, and they know this as well, the game theory of banning something just gives it a better use case uh, mm-hmm. and you know incentivizes more people to learn about it at the very least. And how can you ban it? You, you you can't because of things like Mercury Wallet 
services that that you've built, I'll still be able to transact. If it will push us as well, like happened in New York, it will push us again to find each other. I think. Yeah, and I I think New York actually was in a weird way. It, it there was a big there was a very big um, Bitcoin community there. I mean, I got to meet some people who taught me a lot of stuff. Do you remember a guy called Trace Mayer? Yes. Yeah, he was very active. Yeah, he was very active in New York, teaching people the economic side. You know, because I came as as a nerd, as a geek. Yeah, he used to show up to the geek events. You know, talking about the economic. You know, the yeah, he showed a different side to Bitcoin that I you know I didn't understand, and that and that, that, that's you created a kind of like a cool underground community in New York. So, I, if they ban it, probably be a positive and just. And I you know I don't think the UK going to ban it. To be honest, I mean I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about the FC doing things that they don't really understand and and that can just make it just makes it harder for people like me to get bank accounts and things like that that's 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 the real problem you know probably i don't know if you have a similar issue but not yet not yet what what have you faced <laughs> what, what's been your problem oh i've been shut down by revolut this year who claim to be pro group no it's, it's very hard to run a bitcoin company in, in london just through banking that, that's the issue Ah, oh, okay. And, so know. because it's a company, uh, yes. Revolut don't want to be associated with your company because it is right. Holy we did, shit. We did Bitcoin. So on our website, we used to just put blockchain.com. Mm. Uh, we used to say we, we used to say we we do blockchain stuff, and blockchain stuff was good for a while, but then they changed their mind and said even blockchain's bad now. But we we didn't. We'd never ever put Bitcoin on our website on, on the Commerce Block website for that reason. For the, and that was really just for banking partners, which makes no sense because they're a shitcoiny company, right? They, they, they've got all of their. I mean, I use them. I I, yeah, I have an yeah. account. I need to switch sterling to euros and and all of this kind of stuff. And they're all forever trying to push some kind of crypto bullshit, and it's so annoying. So why would they then not want to? Is it because they see you as competition? I don't think so. I don't think it's as nefarious. I mean, look, I, I still go for a drink in the city with people I used to work with. It, it simply is, the, you know, in finance, it's the cost of compliance. Mm. It's, yeah, the, they could deal with people like me, but it's just not worth it. And it's, yeah, it's not like, I mean, I, I went to the Houses of Parliament in the, around 2018 when Crypto UK was active. Yeah, the politicians were, were more or less pro-Bitcoin. I mean, they weren't anti-Bitcoin. They didn't really care. They, they, they're pro-innovation. But it's it's the establishment of government, not not politicians. It's the you know the, the regulators, the these the Treasury Department. You know they, they don't want to change, and you know they've levied a lot of regulation on the existing financial system. And for them to look at anything new just costs them a fortune. And you know that's why when you hear about you know kind of exchanges in the UK, one third of their uh, their staff are compliance officers. Yeah, that's that's why we build open source software. I don't want to work with compliance officers all day long. Yeah, you know, when I was a part of Crypto UK, it was all compliance officers in, in that group. There was not one technical person. In fact, the only technical person that was originally part of Crypto UK was Obi, and he left after six months. Yeah. So I was on my own in this room with like nine other compliance officers or marketing people, which was really boring, if I be honest. And uh, at least when Obi was there, I had someone to chat to, but he buggered off <laughs> for whatever reason and left me alone with the uh, the suits. So Obi just yeah, got it's... so dragged down by all of that. I remember, you know, him telling me about, um, you know, it's a big part of the reason why he ended up, um, you know, moving on from CoinFloor. You just get, in the end, you become, as a CEO, you become 
chief compliance officer yourself, uh, because not yeah. only are you, um, you know, managing the the team within house, but you're also managing the phone calls that are coming from the FCA or the police departments or whoever that wants information from you, uh, which you're, you know, forced over a barrel to give. It's mm-hmm. um, that is one big problem in the UK. That this idea that we've all faced it when you're trying to use your fiat currency uh, just to send a couple of thousand pounds to an exchange sometimes gets flagged and that money is just caught in the middle sometimes weeks in fact i've had josiah mm-hmm. on before coach carvin who talked about months his funds were locked up by barclays and he just could not find a solution it's terrifying that these morons are in charge of your money and they are, you know, you're at the behest of what it's, this is why we Bitcoin, right? It, it, it leaves me speechless every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't even know what it would be like now to open a bank account. I'm, I'm hearing horror stories from other crypto companies now. It's, you know, you're looking at three months, the KYC, all the management, all the directors, and they go quite low level into how much, how deep they go into the AML now. So, so what what's your solution at the moment? Do you, do you have a bank account for Mercury as a business? Mercury doesn't, but I mean, Commerce Block, you know, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we do a few hops and hoops, all legal, and it kind of works, but... I think if we ever got bigger, <clears throat> we'd have to basically bank off like in Eastern Europe or something. That's what the, the big exchanges in the UK do, done. At the mm-hmm. moment, we're able to navigate. I mean, that's, but it's 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 a cost. It's a it's a cost of my time. It's probably twenty percent of my week. Just just making sure we're we're able to pay people normal money. Yeah. This, um, I mean, the 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 possibility that faces the city of London right now to lift mm-hmm. that. Uh, and to attract the problem is though you'd attract all the crypto bros and that's not the kind of businesses that you want to attract yeah it's a hard one i mean the crypto bros but there there is quite a big bitcoin community in london you mean i won't say who but there's quite a few um, a lot of them want their privacy but there's quite a lot of bitcoin core devs in london you probably know who they are and you know there is you know you have a good meetup scene here there is a big demand and the issue the the challenging thing is when i you know because i did work in banks i have done presentations and stuff in old style banks they like bitcoin they get it but they're kind of humdrung as well they do that you know do they want to support bitcoin and spend 50 percent of their budget on a a compliance team or Mm -hmm. deal with all that crap you know it's not that's the problem, and I think it needs just more grassroots momentum because politicians. I, 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 my experience with politicians, they're not anti-crypto Bitcoin. They're not. It's just the system of government that's kind of handcuffing them. And if the grassroots movements become so big that the system of government has to change to, to not alienate a certain part of the economy, I think that's that's what will happen. You know, if you know twenty percent of the UK are transacting peer to peer because of you know the work that bridges to Bitcoin have done. <laughs> Yeah, the system of government are going to want to capture that somehow. 
and I and I think that's where you push you, you focus on you know grassroots movements I think that's the only way are they too controlled though by the the central bank the powers uh, of the central bank and those people you know above the government the you know bank of international settlements obviously being the uh, the granddaddy the the final boss and where you know what's your opinion on the possibility of a cbdc coming out in the next 5 years i think <clears throat> from my understanding uh, the uk already have built the cbdc I mean, if we're honest, CBDCs is not hard for any crypto person to build. I mean, it's essentially a, a blockchain of one validator because <laughs> it's centralized and mm -hmm. it's you know a private key and a public key. I, I, I mean, CBDCs do make sense. I mean, hear me out with this, but <laughs> if you're using credit cards and debit cards, essentially we are in the CBDC world anyway. You know, there's only four credit card companies as far as I'm aware: Diners Club, Amex, Visa, Mastercard. You know. They're all regulated, so I'm pretty sure all their data sits in a centralized database anyway. So a CBDC in that sense does optimize the bad system we have anyway. Now, you know, so long as we've got an option to step out of that, I'm fine with it. But I think yeah, CBDCs are probably closer than what we we think. And it is ultimately just an optimization of what we have. I mean, and I do think they get scary when they start talking about, you know giving you vouchers if you're a good ESG boy or whatever. That, that, that is scary stuff, but I think it's going to happen. And the only thing you can do is opt out and, you know, go peer to peer. How do you think they roll it out? How do you think they convince the British public that this is the end of the pound and you are going to slowly transition to what we're going to be calling Britcoin, which I've heard them talking <laughs> about. Yeah. And it's going to be, a central bank digital currency, and this is going to give you a direct link bank account, in essence, to the Bank of England, to the central bank. How do they? Well, if you look, well, if you look at two thousand and eight, you know we went bankrupt, but they gave a bunch of checks to the the billionaire bankers and mm -hmm. hoping that money would drop down. That didn't really work. And you know, the, let's be honest, the, the banks got the banks that were too big to fail got bigger, and a lot of their risky activities just moved to hedge funds. Uh, you know, during COVID, I think in the US, they gave stimulus checks, but that didn't really work. A lot of that money ended up on Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. And if we were to have another crisis, whatever crisis we have, you know, if they give you vouchers via CBDC that, you know, says you can only spend that money at Sainsbury's or bug Mars bars, is that cockroach Mars bars or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever they want us to eat. I presume it's, you know, if people are hungry, that's free food. I mean, that, that that's the way I, I presume they would do it. And, you know, we, you know, in the UK, we had the COVID passport. So having the, the, the Bitcoin passport could be rolled out in months. And if people need money to pay for their electricity, to pay for their food, I mean, that's, I presume they would roll it out. Sorry if I'm it. sounding Orwellian, but that, no, that to me seems like the way <laughs> system. I, the way I think that they're going to, try and convince people is by um dangling the carrot of a favorable exchange rate the sooner you exchange your pounds to the cbdc but why, why would they exchange it to the bc wouldn't they just basically say this is a new mobile wallet this is the government bitcoin wallet and it's just the same as what we put and they'll gradually phase it out and if they give people free money to buy food to buy you know 
because we call it cockroach handbox Mars bars or whatever yeah. to feed people or to pay for electricity there there you have it there you have it rolled out yeah i see them instead of just giving out free money i see them doing something along the lines of here's the new app this is the central bank digital coin this is called bitcoin all you have to do is download the wallet load your wallet with your pounds from your bank account mm-hmm. so and if you if you do a thousand pounds you'll get a thousand bitcoin if you do 800 pounds you'll get 750 bitcoin if you do you know what i mean uh, so you'll be incentivized mm-hmm. to exchange more and uh get more for the more that you exchange i think that's the kind of incentive that they'll use because it just seems like a, a very easy way to trick people into uh, parting with their their cash into this orwellian system of you know total surveillance and you know this digital panopticon of we now know exactly what you're going to be spending and where and how and give us a year to track everything that you do and then we will start the voucher system of mm-hmm. yeah you've been a good esg boy no you've been a bad esg boy you've eaten too much beef you need to eat you need more bugs in your life <laughs> you know? It's so freaking scary uh, that, but the problem is people will do it. People will do it, that they've been primed to do it, that, you know, this uh, kind of. But most most people are kind of live like that anyway. Most people live all their life on credit cards. Yes, exactly. Way too much time on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could probably replace a lot of people with some simple AI based on this the spending habits you know about them from their credit card behavior and the behavior on Facebook and Instagram. And, and without sounding, you know, elitist, their, their, their welfare behavior, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at what's happened in the UK as a prime example of what's happened, you know, they've created insidiously created a welfare class. These are people that use welfare, welfare as a lifestyle choice not as what it was supposedly for your safety, you know, brought in as a safety net to, to help you in times of hardship. No, it has become this, you know, a uh, system that can be scammed and is scammed every single day to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars every single day by people that are, you know, circumnavigating the system to get themselves extra welfare money. They are the prime target for this mm-hmm. new technology, this new CBDC, and to roll out this voucher system that you know I both agree on, uh, it will be the kind of thing that they go. People love something for free. Um, mm-hmm. And as we know, there is no free lunch. Uh, it's really, um, I think, unstoppable. It's going to come, um, which is why it's more important to get as many people understanding Bitcoin as, as soon as we can. Yeah, um, but I mean, I I think the momentum is is changing. I mean, people are coming into Bitcoin. I, I it hasn't, it, you know, arguably it should be dead, and it hasn't. It's actually thrived in the last few years. And I think the things that are not Bitcoin, they're a distraction, bit of fun. But you know, ultimately, people are moving to this. Yeah, and people do enjoy downloading a wallet and not having to upload their passport. Yep, you know. And you've I, got a you've got I a personal would. story as well, right? With your gym, I'm sure that that's why I put you in touch with the Bridge to Bitcoin guys. Your your uh, BJJ gym. You're, oh, yeah, you're trying to orange pill them. 
very yeah that they're going to support i haven't actually done that i've had other people funny enough since i've met the bridges to bitcoin i've had quite a lot of people who want this you know they give you this little uh, you probably know more about it i mean i think there's this thing with coin corner where you can scan and then mm-hmm. but the key thing is with them is that they um think coin corner make it so that the, the business never see bitcoin which you can imagine a lot of businesses are scared that bitcoin shows up or and then they lose their banking relationships. So they coin corner send fiat directly into their bank account. But yeah, my my local jujitsu school, they they're gonna start supporting Bitcoin at some point. I I the the, uh, the bottleneck's actually been me. I haven't set that up. So. <laughs> but um, I've I've but I've I've passed other people to bridges to Bitcoin that I thought would be more urgent or a bit more momentum. But yeah, it's but, great. Yeah. And what you're talking about is yeah, coin corner do. Uh, so if you are in the UK and you do want to start accepting Bitcoin because it is just offering your customers another form of payment, that's basically all you're doing. You don't have to hold mm-hmm. the Bitcoin if you don't want to. You just open a corporate account with Coin Corner, a, a merchant account, and anybody that does come into your shop or your gym or whatever that does want to transact in Bitcoin, you can accept the payment. They even ship you the point of sale machine. And I know this because I've done it yeah. with my brother and his coffee shop. They shipped yeah. him the point of sale machine. So anybody that wants to come in and use a uh, Bitcoin, they can use their bulk card if they have Coin Corner accounts. If not, they can just open the app, their merchant app, and uh, spin up a QR code and you can pay with Bitcoin. That hits their account and then it's up to them. Do I hold the Bitcoin or do I have that switch to Sterling immediately? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the month, put back into my um you know, corporate company account here in the UK. So for those people that do have cold feet and don't understand that, um, you know, what are the tax implications of me accepting Bitcoin? Is it, you know, dark web money? You know, all of these kind of fears, mm-hmm. it's smashed in in just like one small explanation. Like, no, you can accept it. It's not dark internet money. Here's a, a legit company. Here's a merchant account. And you don't even need to hold the Bitcoin; you just hold it in sterling, or euro mm-hmm. if you wanted. If you if you're um on in uh, in the European Union and and your currency is euro, you can still do it. So yeah. Coin, Coin Corner, Coin Corner support Europe as well. Yep, they're not just okay. Yep, that's good. There's no stop in it. Like, the... no. <laughs> and then as a as a user yourself, uh, like I was explaining earlier, if you have the Bolt card. You can load your your wallets, 50 pounds a day. I can load my wallet for Toshi or Moon Wallet or whatever just by holding my, if I've got NFC enabled on my phone, which I do, I hold my bolt card up to it. Ping brings up a choice of wallets. I hit wallet for Toshi and I draw 50 pounds worth of Bitcoin over the Lightning Network instantly into my uh, wallet for Toshi wallet. Then I can fund projects on Geyser. Good stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> There is so much. I'm, going I'm lucky because they, they've done a pub near me in Chiswick, right? They, but they've they've switched. Um, they they now no longer do the fiat. They keep the Bitcoin. That's they, the beauty of it. That yeah. is that it's such a Trojan horse, uh, and because they, what they realize is, ah, the only guy actually using Bitcoin is Nick, who comes in twice a month, and it's like twenty five quid each time. Yeah. No one can, like the tax man doesn't care. So I can just stack the Bitcoin and it's fine. Uh, and yeah. even if that someone does ask one day, where's all that, you know, cash gone? It's like, well, it's on my account. You just switch it. You open your coin corner account, switch the Bitcoin to switch from Bitcoin to Sterling. There it is. Thanks very much. Move on with your life. Mm-hmm. 
but that person's getting orange pilled the whole time. And the more and more people that go in and ask, do you accept Bitcoin to, to the merchants is so important that we keep doing that as a, as a community of people. Mm -hmm. no, and then, then, then now Mercury wallet, like what, what how, how can we bring to bring this back to Mercury wallet now uh, for, for merchants? Well, we, we, we're, we're working, we're having, we're working on a lightning implementation and um, we hope to be mobile next year as well. So, you know, hopefully maybe one day you won't use wallet Satoshi and you'll use Mercury, but uh, yeah, that'd be, that'll great. be that, that'll be down to us, but um, to, to make sure the UI is the best. I mean, a lot of this, yeah, it's yeah. Wallet of Satoshi have done a good job. I mean, I personally use Phoenix, but that's, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's probably too cryptic for some people, but a, a lot of it comes down to people like, me and Mercury Wallet, you know, building UIs that make it easy for people to use. And I think that's the key thing. And I yeah. and I think if you're honest, the wallets of today are much better than 10 years ago. I mean, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the UX wars, uh, they, they, they were always fun, but I'm, I'm now thinking, yeah, you know, bring it on, please. Uh, I would love to be able no, to I mean, it's, it's withdraw, I mean, withdraw from Coin Corner straight into Mercury Wallet, where I know there's that next added layer of privacy. That the wallets are getting better. I'll be honest. I mean, my de facto wallet for years was Electrum, but I admit that that wasn't for retail. Mm. Yeah, difficult. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. So I, I feel now I can tell people about Lightning, like you know. I always do the mum and dad test. I, I don't mind showing like some of these whitening wallets to my parents because they're not going to be phoning me up every 10 minutes. So yeah, now they're starting to look, you know, fairly reasonable. I mean, it's very simple. Just take a picture of a QR code send. So. Yeah, I got the old man set up on uh, a moon wallet and loaded him up <laughs> with five quids worth of, of Satoshis. I bet he still hasn't used them. I'll have to. I'm, I'm going to see him at Christmas. I'm going to check that wallet. I bet. I guarantee you, the five <laughs> quid's still on there. <laughs> so I'll have to get him buying me a beer or something at the uh, or or my brother's cafe. That'd be the best place to do it, mate. I got to ask you the final question before we close this down. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Oh. <laughs> I've lost my words. I'd probably go for the king being British. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, I would say, look, you know, you want to stay rich. You want your, you know, to stay you know, king of this country for the next, you want your ancestors to still be, stay in charge, red pill into, you know, orange pill into Bitcoin. Uh, Prince Philip would love to hear that. Uh, Prince Philip of <laughs> Serbia and Yugoslavia would love to, to hear that, uh, that response, because that is, you know, something... I I think I'm like a lot of British people I know. I was probably grew up as a kid anti-monarchist because I thought, why are these guys in charge? Then I've seen such a shit show in democracy. I'm glad we've got them. And uh, <laughs> it's a weird I, I, one, I, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I was having a yeah, discussion. You could have asked me for years. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. I was having a discussion with my French teacher the other day, and she was asking me about uh, the, the recent. Um, conferences and things that I, I'd found interesting and obviously having met Prince Philip at the beginning of this year and you know bumped into him now uh, at a few conferences consider him a friend and in Prague 
he gave uh, a speech about the history of Serbia and Yugoslavia and how uh, you know it just became a mess as soon as the the monarchy was kicked out and you know dictators come in and communism and everything else and you're like uh, okay now I kind of get it but you speak to a French person about it like what are you saying how dare you like no monarchy bad still they've been brainwashed completely into thinking monarchy will always yeah. be bad and this is why we had the revolution i have a french mother i mean i, I think i told you my mum actually lives i was born in Biarritz. right that's why um but every president seems to get busted for corruption afterwards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every single time yeah uh, and france has had you know dictators i mean Mm -hmm. You could argue that De Gaulle was a dictator. You know, it's. I think the monarchy. It's not perfect, but it kind of protects a country from fascism. Which, if you look at all the countries in World War Two that had monarchies, they didn't go fascist. I think that's. I I don't like the idea of a monarchy. It, you know, it creates a this kind. It does invade elitism in your in your country, but till we come out with something better, I think it, it's a protection against fascism, which obviously is a bit worse than a monarch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange old one. And I've uh, read um, Democracy, the, the God That Failed as well. Uh, so big debate between Saifedean and Alex Gladstein. Saif arguing in favor of a monarchy and Gladstein arguing in favor of a democracy. That's that's an episode on Saif's pod, which people should check out if you're kind of scratching your head, your head as to what the hell we're talking about. Uh, but it's it's an interesting discussion and one I've never had like you, I'd have been like, yeah, what's the point of them? It makes no sense. Like, what is the the, mm -hmm. the idea that um, one family should rule and this bloodline and, you know, the, all of the nonsense that comes with it as well. Um, and the, the, the historical, uh, you know, murderous, torturous nature of it all is pretty mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> so it's... um. It's yeah. definitely, we, we live in strange, strange times. But what we have, the systems we live under worldwide, we're not free. They don't work. They're heavily tilted towards those in positions of power. But now we have Bitcoin and we're fixing the money. It's grassroots movement and we can all build from here. And this is what you're doing. So, you know, thank you for, for everything that you've done uh, with, you know, Commerce Block and uh, a Mercury Wallet. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. Are you guys, you know, what, what, how can the plebs listening help? Is there anything, are you, do you need help in a certain area? Are you looking to hire? Are you, you know, desperate for some kind of funding? How can people get hold of you? What, where, where are you at in the journey? Yeah. But I mean, just using the wallet, if you think it's shit, tell us, I mean, user feedback is, is the best thing. Cause I'm obviously a, Technology, you know, I, I write code for a living. I mean, I don't write that much now, but I have a very narrow view of the way a UI should look and the way a UI should be used. And, it, you know, it's people playing with the wallet, telling us why it's rubbish. That, that actually helps us a lot. Uh, you know, we're not the best at branding and marketing and stuff, we admit. We, 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 and this is a very hard thing because no one's built this stuff before. I mean, you look at designing a, a Lightning wallet, well, there's no reference implementation. There's nothing you can copy. You, know, you kind of, you know, so, you know, just, just use the wallet, tell us what you like about it, give us feature requests, you know, we'll build. I mean, we, we like building and 
you, had a, you get a buzz when people use it. I mean, when I went to Bitcoin uh, Amsterdam, yeah, having a few guys came up, I did a panel there on privacy, saying, oh, I used your wallet, it's cool, we did this. That gives you, that's that's the best you can hope for in life. You know, you, you, I think, you know, I speak to other guys, you know, build, builders in the space, like the Blue Wallet guy, Max from Hedebrand. You, you get a buzz from people using your software. Uh, yeah, I don't think people realize how much of a buzz people get. Yeah, so. All right, man, love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Can, can people download it on Play Store? Uh, Apple. No, it's 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 desktop only, but you know we support oh. all Windows, Linux, and uh, and uh, Mac. But you know we hope to have a mobile version mid next year. But, but it's desktop only. It's live. Yeah, jo join the Telegram group as well for Mercury Wallet. Yeah, give us ideas. We we'll have some announcements in the next few weeks about what we're doing with Lightning as well. So I think that will. I think people will maybe more creative than myself will come up with ideas of how to mix Lightning and state chains. I think that's gonna be cool. That's going to be interesting. All right, cool. And how, how can people reach you directly? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Gregory Nicole. I don't tweet that much, probably should more. <laughs> My investors want me to tweet more, so I'll, I'll make an effort to do more. But I like to go on Twitter just to read and see the craziness, not necessarily, a, <laughs> but yeah, I'll make more of an effort. And are you, you're, you're all good for investment? You're not looking for any more? I know you, sent, uh, you said earlier you're part of the Lightning Ventures group. Uh, I keep a close eye on what they're doing as well. Yeah, I think potentially, you know, in a weird way, if, if the regulations get worse, we may need to raise because we may have to hire a couple of lawyers. Right. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're taking it slow. And then but I All think right. next next two years, I think Lightning is going to, you know, I know other companies doing stuff on Lightning. I think there's going to be a big boost and I think it's going to be a, a fun space. So Excellent. Especially well, around, yeah, especially around Lightning and gaming and stuff like that. I think it's going to be pretty exciting space. Very exciting space, actually. Yeah, I've got some interviews coming up with the Zebedee guys uh, yeah. because there's just a crazy great. amount of stuff going on with them. Really exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Nick, thanks for coming on. Great to meet you this year in person and uh, get to know somebody we'd never met before. We'd not even interacted on Twitter. So I think it's one of the few times that I'd met a, a Bitcoiner in real life before I'd ever you know, even interacted with them on Twitter. And this is something that we definitely need to carry forward uh, and I will shill quickly Orange Pill app as well, because that is all about bringing people back together. You know, we were, maybe we got too complacent just throwing ideas around uh, on, on Twitter, but there's mm -hmm. something to actually meeting people, especially within your area and getting those ideas, those heads together and getting out into your communities and trying to Orange Pill merchants and, you know, with, with the tools like Coin Corner and other solutions. So, uh, yeah, um, thanks for coming on, brother. It's been really good to, uh, to hang, and thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Have a good day, mate. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks again, Nick, for coming on. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. Great to learn about your past, mate. Like I said at the beginning of the show, really enjoying figuring out how people have these touch points before they've even entered the rabbit hole. If any of you listening to this have any kind of feedback for Nick, or if you want to mess around with the wallet, just go straight to the website, mercurywallet.com, download it, play around with it, see if this is a service that is going to complement your Bitcoin journey. If you're already a user and you've got some feedback, just, just shout out, shout out to Nick. You, you heard him on this interview. They're always looking for feedback. They're always looking to build better products. They want as much criticism as possible 
and let's go. Let's all start helping each other build more tools. Bitcoin is still on a fire sale at these prices and people are building the tools of tomorrow. We've already won. I think you know that if you've been listening to this show long enough. Uh, my conviction is 100%. And w when you speak to people as smart as Nick and the rest of his team that are building these kind of tools in the background, almost unnoticed by the wider Bitcoin community, certainly by the wider financial legacy system, uh, you know, it's done. It's dusted. It's over. So make sure you're stacking. Stack as safe as you can. Mercury Wallet's obviously a great tool. If you want to uh, get some KYC-free sats, you can use HODL HODL, new sponsor on the show. Thank you very much, guys, for showing your support. HODLHODL.com forward slash Bitten is going to save you on commission there. If you want to use a CoinJoin service, you could use Wasabi. Nick gave Max a shout out on the show. You can go and listen to Max Hillebrand's interview from before when we talked about the CoinJoin wars and what Wasabi offer. It's WasabiWallet.io. And if you just need to up your stack, we all need to up our stack. We're all short Bitcoin. You can use Swan Bitcoin in the US. Actually, globally, if you're going to use their private service, just reach out to me in DMs or directly to Corey. Tell him, tell him I sent you. You will be assigned an advisor. Relay, same thing. Reach out to me in DMs and I will put you straight in touch with the private advisor there if you are looking to put on a sizable amount. This is the time to do it. But set up your DCA and always be buying, just every day if you can. Use Coin Corner as well. Coincorner.com, you can hit my link in the show notes. That will get you a free 10 pounds once you've exchanged 100 pounds worth of fiat into Bitcoin. But please, you all must self-custody. Thankfully, a few friends are reaching out to me now and saying, hey, what's that link to that wallet that you were talking about? because they are scared of what's happened at FTX. They are getting wind that maybe Binance are next. Get control of your coins. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. Use code Bitten for a 5% discount. If you want to get across to some conferences in 2023, you got the big one in Miami. It's Bitcoin Miami. Just go and use the code Bitten at checkout. You'll get a 10% discount. And if you want to come to Prague in June, June 8th to the 10th, go to BTC Prague. And again, just use the code BITTEN at checkout. You'll get a 10% discount. Hit my link tree in the show notes, and that will take you to all of the Bitcoin companies that are offering plebs discount. It includes Shamari, Consensus Network, Satsback, even the Massa tortilla chips that are fried in beef tallow rather than seed oils. There's a bunch of cool stuff on there. The merch with Ungovernable Misfits. And there's even merch with uh, Six and Lemon. Christmas is coming. Shop with Sats if you can. Use Sats back. There's even a referral code to Sats back. You will get Sats back for referring other people. So create your own referral links from all of these services as well. And, and send them over to your friends. Enough rambling from me. I hope you enjoy this rip. Take care. Catch you on the next show.